Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name is Shea Kamerchka, and this is Two Temples, the podcast providing a platform for guests to talk about their psychedelic experiences. We discuss how these experiences have helped us learn lessons and overcome personal issues. My goal is to help end the stigma surrounding psychedelics. You can help by sharing this podcast with your friends and on social media. I believe we can undo the decades of lies about psychedelics and expose their healing potential by sharing story after story until the truth is undeniable. Today's guest is Nick Clemmer. He's an experienced psychonaut in his early 30s and living off the grid in Oregon. We talk about overcoming traumas, experiences with a wide variety of psychedelics including 5-MeO-DMT, LSD, and mescaline. We also talk about meditation, yoga, energy work, and much more. This is part one of two, so make sure to check out the second half of our conversation. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share on the podcast, please email me at twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact me through the Facebook page and Instagram. Two Temples is now available on most podcast platforms, so make sure to show love on whatever platform you're on. Thanks and enjoy. Hello. Hello. How's it going, man? Uh, good. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's kind of a crappy day out, so it's nice to be able to get one of these podcasts going. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where are you at? Where, what's the, the weather is, whatever it is. Um, I'm up in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just kind of overcast and windy and kind of gross out. So. Okay. Cool. Nice to be inside. Where are you calling yeah. from? Uh, Southern Oregon, and it's uh, super nice out here today. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have a little cool. Like the weather's been really, really hot, and uh, today it's only in the upper seventies today. So that's like a super nice break from the heat. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We went through a little kind of heat spurt there too. We had a week of, I mean, we do Celsius, so it's like 35. I think that's up right. here, like in the 90s, I think. 35 is probably like high 90s. I, yeah. I am somewhat, I do try to teach myself Celsius because I travel a lot. So my phone is on Celsius. And... Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice yeah. to know to just to be able to kind of translate it. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so w- what else are you up to today? Um, you have a big garden. Are you doing gardening? Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been gardening. I've been in the garden already today, and um, probably going to do some more of that later uh, after lunch. So that's awesome. I wish we had the space to make a garden plant a garden we just we live yeah. in town so it's uh we don't even have a backyard <laughs> we just uh we have a long driveway i'm sure we could like i don't know build a little uh sort of planter like thing and and start but maybe next year we'll see how it goes yeah yeah um so what uh what about psychedelics do you like like are you a recreational user or is it um do you use it for you know, mental health, physical health? Well, I currently use them as um, energetic medicines and also for recreation. Okay. Um, but I, I started off, you know, a long time ago using them recreationally and then got into a... Um, practice of using them strictly for like energetic healing so that you know energetic basically meaning like um, 
the way you feel, the way you experience your feelings and sensations in your body, like, and that as, you know, psychology is tied into that. So the mind body system. Right. So, so more so like your, the energies you put out and take in rather than like your actual physical, like energy to do stuff. Um, yeah, energies that you take, energies, I would say, energies that flow through you. Right, okay. So, you know, that includes emotions, and it includes perceptions, and, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to make sure I, I understood you. That makes a lot of sense. I've I've had a lot of those experiences through LSD. Like, I, I've, yeah. like, felt just, yeah, the flow of energy and seen it and, you know, it, it was really cool. Uh, what do you do mostly? Like, what's your favorite psychedelic? Um, these days, my favorite is uh, Bufo, which has uh, 5-MeO-DMT in it. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Do you vape it? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have... Actually, I, I use, like, an oil burner, so it's a method of vaporization, yeah. Because um, I'm okay. not putting flame directly to it, but um, yeah. So is that so, kind of like a dab rig? What do you mean by an oil burner? Uh, like something that someone would smoke crack out of. <laughs> oh, okay, like like one of those bulb pipes. Yeah, like a like a bulb. Yeah. yeah. So. Where it's got yeah. like the hole in the little tiny hole in the top, and like a. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've got one of those too. I just I'm not very good at using it, I guess. Right. I just yeah, really? I don't know. I can't figure out the the heat. But I've only tried it a couple times, so maybe you could enlighten yeah. me on how to do it. Do you use a torch or a lighter? Well, it's so if I'm using the Bufo, it's different. It's a lot easier. It, it's a lot easier to get used to because it does take practice. Compared and to DMT, Bufo, like compared to com- Compared to any pure molecule that I've ever tried it with. Okay. Yeah, I've only so tried it with uh, NMDMT. The, so the 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 bufo tends to just you can torch it more, and it doesn't burn. It just I mean it can burn. You can burn it, but it but it's less likely to versus like any pure molecule. I have to really dance the flame. It's a dance with the flame, and it has to be perfect, or you burn it, you know. And if you're not burning it, then and then you go too light on it, you're not getting a dense enough hit, and the medicine isn't effective as it could be. So that's my dance with <laughs> trying to use that style of pipe is that I uh, don't use it for pure molecule anymore because of that uh, learning curve is too too much for me to to experiment with this molecule (laughs) okay um yeah so is that like you the the bufo is where you get kind of your energy um experiences and uh, whatnot i'm I'm not sure how to really uh, ask that question but um that's that's the the molecule that you like to use to kind of get in touch with that yes that's my favorite one because it's very strong and it's very short acting right um, so yeah is that uh, about the same as nn is it about 15 ish minutes for the for the peak the peak let's see it lasts it's longer than nn it's um 
I would say it lasts like 20 to the peak lasts like 20 minutes. Okay. Usually, if you take a strong dose, uh, it'll often people will be you know in their little zone, medicine zone for 30 to 40 minutes total versus DMT is typically like, what, 10 to 15 minutes? Yeah, and then you sort of have that afterglow for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is uh, about three times as long acting. And And it's um, quite a bit stronger, is it not? Yeah, it is. Uh, The experience is... I mean, I've had experiences that were possibly comparable between the two, but in general, I mean, the 5-MeO is is a lot stronger, almost, like, um, incomparably stronger, you know. Okay. Yeah, I I saw figures, like, 8 or 10 times stronger or something, but I don't know, I figure that's a little hard to judge. Yeah, it's hard to judge a subjective experience, you know. (laughs) And, and like, use a logical way of of measuring a a subjective experience is, yeah, (laughs) an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't don't know if they sort of judged it off of, like, a breakthrough dose. You know, somebody sort of worked their way up to a breakthrough dose, and it was, like, kind of took ten times the amount to for a breakthrough on NM or something. That's the only way that would really make sense to me because if you're, if you smoke it, you're kind of gone, you know, like if you do a good dose of either one, like you're, it's hard to say like, yeah, that was 10 times stronger than that, that other hit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, do you have your own frog? No, I don't. No. Is that something that interests you or do you feel weird about that? Well, yeah, I've been interested in having one before, but I, you know, I, I just, there's a lot of controversy around keeping the toads right. um, in ca- captivity. And, you know, the truth is people keep all sorts of animals in captivity. It isn't, um, but but there's part of me that just, I can't give it the environment that I would feel good about. Uh, giving it if I were going to keep one, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that at this point. Yeah, like, like I'm. Just pretty, I'm pretty. Sorry, go ahead. I'm. I'm pretty compassionate for plants and animals, you know, honestly, and so I. I can't. If I'm not going to be able to give it the space that I would feel really good about keeping it in, then I wouldn't keep it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You'd want it to live a happy life. Get you that that. I don't know, good vibes and stuff. I feel like if you had a frog that was unhappy, it would <laughs> sort of come off in the DMT as well. And I don't know, just like uh, the plants, you know, like if you put a lot of love into growing your weed or whatever mushrooms, I'm, I'm sure it it comes out in the trip, you know. Yeah, and uh, part of that could be like stress hormones, you know, mm-hmm. that are that are getting involved in your medic- medicinal molecules, like add to the mixture some stress hormones because all these plants and animals that we're using as medicines, they're actually already such a cocktail of of things, you know, of molecules and stuff that you know, it's kind of a different experience when you end up um refining the molecule and taking the pure molecule of anything 
slightly different it feels to me anyway yeah because i mean um i've heard that i'm not a big meat eater but if you like kill an animal that has been through like or know that it's going to be killed like there's lots of um lots of adrenaline going through it and it like kind of ruins the meat and yeah I, i don't know i feel like a long life of that would do it as well or just yeah being in a in poor environment and just not loving life not being in a natural environment like an an aquarium or what i'm not sure what you call that when for reptiles and and frogs and stuff atrium that sounds wrong but (laughs) oh um yeah aquarium or uh what what uh yeah i can't remember the word a terrarium or something yeah Yeah, yeah, something like that but yeah i feel just wrong about that definitely need something a little more natural for for a frog yeah 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 i don't disagree (laughs) i feel like it's a little weird sometimes keeping animals uh caged up but you know something people do sometimes or pretty often actually (laughs) yeah I, i went i took my daughter to the zoo the other day uh i guess couple weeks ago and just seeing like the the bald eagles in a little cage not being able to fly around and like i assume their wings are clipped and stuff that's just sad yeah i can't imagine like they're probably all cramped and sore from not being able to stretch out and fly Mm and i know unless maybe they were like um rescues or something and they can't live in the wild anyway but yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) <laughs> so hard to see you know they just look so sad in there <laughs> yeah it's rough yeah. totally um but so do you have experience with mescaline i do um i haven't heard much about it so i'm i'm kind of interested in hearing some experiences yeah i don't have a lot i mean i, I don't have experience with the pure molecule i have experience with mostly san pedro and i've done one uh, like a traditional uh, tribe from northern Mexico, a traditional peyote ceremony did one. Um, but other than that, I've done I've done San Pedro um, quite did, a few times. Did you notice a difference between the two? Yeah, I did. Because um, it's the same uh, mescaline molecule, but it's got different other th- chemicals in it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I did notice a difference. Um, peyote was a little more like feeling like I was being connected to like a intuitive dream state, even though it felt stimulating. Like the you know, it's like an all night ceremony. You know, sunrise, a sunset to sunrise, and you're redosing throughout the night, and and you're feeling the energy. You know, it's a mescaline has a slightly stimulating um, molecule and um, the, the 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 take I came away from peyote with <laughs> afterwards I was like wow that was the most sobering psychedelic experience I've ever had in my life and it was so powerful at the same time like uh, just the power of connecting to my self in a new way with a new perception you know not having necessarily a psychedelic experience but just having like a 
transformation and perception take place over the course of like nine or ten hours. <laughs> it was really different for me. So was it more so like a mental thing compared to a visual or? Yeah. Yeah. It was a perceptual thing for me, not a visual. It wasn't visual at all. And the, and the actual energy wasn't super strong. It was mostly perceptual. Um, and I suppose it's different if you were to do it regularly or multiple times, like, you know, Every time I do ayahuasca, it's definitely not the same experience. So, um, but the take I came away with it was like, wow, that was the most humbling and sobering psychedelic experience I've ever had. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a beautiful. It was beautiful. But it's very different than all the other ones that I'm used to. It's very different than San Pedro, which very much. I feel the energy very strongly, but instead of making me go inward, like the way a lot of psychedelics do, kind of make me want to like fall back into a daydream, it makes me want to be really present with myself in duality and explore nature. And, you know, it gives me energy and it's very strong, like you feel. Huh. The energy, the energy of it is is strong, and, and um, it is slightly visual. Yeah, but but it was mostly like oh, you could call it maybe an extroverted medicine versus an introverted one for me. <laughs> huh, that's that's interesting. I don't even really know what to uh, like how to imagine that, other than. Because like I've done LSD mushrooms and DMT, so I'm I'm sort of trying to relate it to one of my experiences or some of my experiences, and it sort of sounds like a a mixture of the two of mushrooms and acid of uh, <clears throat> like the low sort of visuals of LSD, but the like kind of mind altering state of the mushrooms. Or am I totally off with that? I mean, for me, L is more of a like it gives me energy it makes me like wow here i am i feel it you know <laughs> like like mu versus mushrooms usually i like am kind of falling into this like s slightly daydreamy sleep state when i'm on mushrooms and i just let myself sink into it and you know when it's coming on i usually just want to fall asleep so bad but then the sleep turns into the trip you know right <laughs> Uh, and with L and um, San Pedro, it was different than that. It was more like I wanted to be really present right okay. here with myself in in duality, you know, and explore that. <laughs> okay, uh, so sort of brought you into like you you said like an outward point of view instead of like the other psychedelics, where it sort of brings it inward. Like yeah, I would say I would use maybe introvert, extrovert as like a way to describe how it affects my energy uh, differently, you know, like the mescaline being more of an extroverted medicine and right. mushrooms right. being more of an introverted medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that's cool. DMT being a powerful introverted medicine, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so... So can you walk me through one of the 
experiences or a couple of the experiences just to kind of see what it's it was like like the, I'm, I'm interested in that um the ceremony that you went to what was that like um the peyote one yeah yeah um that was that was that uh what's it called tribal gathering have you ever heard of that no yeah no i went to this festival gathering called tribal gathering it's down in panama every year and this was like a few years ago that i went and so there was all these you know different tribes basically it's like a coming together and sharing of cultures and tribes and medicines and songs and you know it's like a two to three weeks of uh, people sharing all these things together and uh, you know part of that is the ceremonies that they share Uh, so like people are bringing their peyote ceremonies and their ayahuasca ceremonies and um, I partook in a peyote ceremony with a tribe from northern Mexico and um, it was, yeah, started at sunset and, uh, we went to sunrise and we redosed like maybe four times throughout the night and it was with a water drum and, uh, they're mostly passing the water drum around a circle of like 40 people. <laughs> it was quite a large ceremony. Uh, wouldn't be able to get away with that now, eh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and uh, everybody had an opportunity to play the drum and sing if they wanted. A lot of people just passed it on. You know, there was, you know, only like a dozen people that it seemed were (laughs) singing, but the the drum would just keep going around, and anyone that had the drum had the opportunity to, to play it and sing into the circle, into the fire. There was a fire in the middle of the circle of... 40 people, you know, we're all passing this drum around all night long and singing songs and yeah, I don't know, it was, it was uh, different than what I'm used to uh, as far as a ceremony and as far as utilizing my um, psychedelics as medicines, but uh, I think it was beautiful. (laughs) Were you already doing psychedelics medicinally before going to this retreat, or was it sort of... Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I was. Um, so, I mean, I, I started that retreat. That was that was more of a gathering or festival with the peyote. That was like a festival retreat type of thing. But um, I had started really getting deep into my healing process about three years before that. And I knew and had like dabbled in their healing potential about five years before that. But it took me five years uh, to like commit myself to the process and to like admit to myself that I needed to like do some really deep uh, healing and you know, rearranging of my being on like a molecular level, <laughs> you know, so, like, like an atomic, an atomic level even. Yeah. Did you just feel like your energies were low? Like you kind of just not flowing properly and you wanted to get them moving? 
uh, when I decided to commit and go into this he healing process. Is yeah. That what you mean? Yeah. Well, it had been building up. Uh, actually, this is a really interesting point in my process because it had been building up from events that had happened earlier in life, um, like this pressure to change and to, you know, to do something about it, to to heal, to change, to transform. I had had this choking incident as a teenager that left me never feeling the same again. Um, and I was looking for the answers for some time and also discovering um, like coping mechanisms for the way that I felt after the choking incident. And so, um, you know, one of the coping mechanisms being like drinking alcohol, <laughs> for example, you know, um, but, uh, and I knew, but I knew on a certain level that I needed to like explore why I felt so different and so bad after the choking incident. I didn't know why. I didn't feel necessarily traumatized. I just felt like there was a part of my being that was just not right. And it was, it started over the years, it started to make me sick. Like I started to get nauseous when I would feel that feeling. Right. And okay. yeah, it got to this point where I was getting uh, like cramps in my stomach. And um, like I started to get physical symptoms. And I mean, there was other things going on too, like all the deep, like childhood healing stuff that, um, you know, like unconscious emotional traumas that you experience as a child. And you don't know you experienced them and you could have a totally happy childhood and still have these buried traumas that you never knew how to deal with, you know, or at least that's what I've discovered for myself. I considered myself a fairly happy, healthy person, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I, and then having this on the back of my mind and knowing this intuitively that this thing was stuck inside me and it was tearing me up, you know, or like making me suffer, you know, this feeling that I had had since the choking incident. And, um, then what happened to really trigger me to go into this process was um, having this relationship that I was in that was a very, for me, it was a very powerful and uh, <laughs> very intense relationship. Like I was completely in love with this woman and we were also best friends before that for some years and uh, that ended leaving me feeling like completely shattered person, <laughs> like, like shattered. Like I was okay. like after a 10 year drought of a uh, crying drought, uh, I went through a drought where I didn't cry for like 10 years. And then when this happened, um, I went through this period of time, maybe about two months where I was breaking out spontaneously into sobbing, um, just let it go at least once a week for like two months, just spontaneously breaking down. Like know? it would just come to your mind and, and you would just it would break just, down? It, would, it was the feelings would just flood me 
and all the memories and all the thoughts would come with the feelings, but it would just come in floods and waves that I would just choose to surrender to because I knew that the only way out of the terrible knot of suffering that I had gotten myself into was through it. Right. You know, and so this is when, uh, and this was, I was also in herbal school at this point in time too. So I was going through the transformation of working through the, working with the plants that I was working with. And so I think that, you know, the way I see it is that that had influence in the way that my process opened up in that moment of time for me to choose. Yes, I want to commit, I commit myself to whatever this process is that I need to go through because the way that I feel right now is just absolute uh, suffering and, and misery. And, and, you know, I was also at this point in time when I was going through these bouts of crying, I was, you know, a beginner meditator, you could say, like just dabbling in it at right. that point. And um, I was having regularly having experiences in my meditations of turning into a tumor <laughs> really? like like experiencing like i'm sitting there i'm identifying with myself as this miserable broken human that's trying to meditate and trying to you know and suddenly the whole perception shifts it was like an acid flashback or something where suddenly i am a tumor and i feel whatever a tumor feels like it. I feel tensed and I feel dense and I feel twisted up and I feel, I feel compartmentalized and I feel, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm <laughs> as lonely as I could possibly be. Like, like I have a wall around me and, okay. you know, these were, these were just the, the perceptions that were coming to me at this time. And, um, that I was having these, <laughs> experiences of, of turning into tumors in my meditations and going through this whole heartbreak and, you know, releasing the dam of tears. And, um, yeah, so um, I decided to go into some Vipassana meditation practice uh, courses and start utilizing psychedelics as the medicines that I had um, intuited they were possible to be used as. Uh, like this was an opportunity for me to actually experiment with, um, you know, the things that I thought might have been true about these medicines. So, so. Were, were these things that you had read that the medicines could do or was it stuff that well, you kind of felt in the past trips that you never really um, implemented maybe or um, you know used to your advantage well five years prior to this whole breaking point I had gotten into LSD okay uh, and uh, along with my introduction to LSD came the whole mind expansion phase of I got to figure it out. I got to research ontology, philosophy, psychology. I was reading all sorts of things about Buddhism and shamanism and energy healing and psychedelics and, you know. Funny how so LSD does that to you, huh? Just kind of opens oh, you up. Yeah. It's funny. It's great. I mean, and, and it does it in such a 
way that it allows you to utilize your intellect so well, I yeah. think. <laughs> you know? Um, it just, like, brings the intellect together with the the psychedelic non-dual state, in my experience. Yeah, it's wonderful. Opens you up, opens your mind, you know? Yeah, that's why it's my favorite. Like, I haven't tried mescaline or... I've had a little bit of um, ketamine, but, like, I just... I don't know, LSD, it's just... It's great. Feels awesome on the body, you know. Like it, it's great for doing yoga and stuff. Just so loose and great on the mind. As long as you're yeah. in the right set and setting, though. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, I like to. Sorry, sorry. Oh, one of my favorite ways to take the L is having a place to like you know, do yoga for hours on end or not even yoga, but just like stretching into my body yeah. in different ways. And, and you just find yourself in yoga positions. Yeah, exactly. Noticed, you find like, oh, okay. That's why they do it. Right, right. Like you experience the, oh, these yoga, I just happen to find myself in these yoga postures and it feels really nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it makes me yeah. want to kind of just take a tab and uh like my my girlfriend's sister is a yoga instructor and yeah. it'd be cool just to go to one of her classes and you know vibe with it and and see if it actually helps having an instructor or if i can just do it at home and feel out my body right because i've had a really tense lower back and legs like i couldn't even touch my toes um i don't know a year ago easily and now, shit, I can bend right over and fold right in half, and <laughs> it's great. And yeah. I, like, I wouldn't have been able to do that without LSD, like 100%. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Was there a specific, was there like an event or a trip that made it noticeable, or is it over time gradually that you've noticed? Um, a couple trips, actually, like <clears throat> for my for my back. Yeah. When it, when it gets cold out, my kind of mid back tenses right up it's like a few of the vertebrae are like really tight together um and then my lower back it just felt like my tailbone was just like condensed or like all those muscles were really tight as well and it's been like that for years i went to the doctor about it and he's like oh just stretch and like when i do stretch or when i would stretch it would like hurt it wouldn't feel good and i wouldn't feel any looser after um so then what I did was I borrowed uh, one of those like foam rollers, like a foot and a half wide or whatever, and maybe six inches, eight inches around. And uh, so just during one of my trips, I decided to roll my back on one of those. And instead of like being really tense, I was able to just like fold out and I could feel my whole my back just loosen up and I kind of rolled from from my shoulder blades all the way down to my tailbone. And then when I got to my tailbone, I could actually feel the muscles in it. And I was able to sort of like tuck my tailbone up and like pull apart all those muscles. And <laughs> I said to my girlfriend, I was like, I can kind of feel like, or I, I can kind of understand what it'd be like to have a tail, you know, like <laughs> I could kind of <laughs> just like move it around and stuff. And it just, it totally changed my back. It's it, my lower back, especially doesn't hurt anymore. If I'm standing for a long time, it will. It kind of compresses, but um, it's way better for that. And just for my legs, uh, a few trips, um, all I do is I stretch to where it gets really tight, 
and then <clears throat> take a big breath and exhale it. And it just, I can just feel it all melt away. I, I kind of explain it like if it's, um, <clears throat> if dart, dirt is like really dry, it it's, you know, it just, it's really fucking hard. And what LSD feels like is like just kind of adding a little bit of water to it. So it like can pull apart more and, you know, it's more flexible and stuff. That's the way it feels yeah. for me. It just feels like it lubricates the muscles and and just pulls apart super easy. So like I, I swear by it now and I'm kind of telling everybody to to try stretching now when they're tripping. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and, and then at work, like people are asking me if I'm a runner because I'm like, I get out of my big rock truck and I'll like start stretching on the on the stairs and like my leg is right up by my head and stuff and they're like whoa and like a couple months ago <clears throat> I couldn't even get it up to like my hips you know but yeah I I believe in the stuff wholeheartedly mm-hmm. have have you always been kind of like are you flexible or so yeah I was gonna say something to that effect um I I was never very flexible. Um, like I remember, um, you know, as a kid in grade school, we would do the presidential test, the fitness testing, right? And okay. I was never able to get even to my feet. Like uh, as far as like stretching with your legs straight out, you know, I was never able to touch my feet without bending my knees. Yeah, that's never, how it was. I never. I never did very good at that, um, in that, (laughs) that was one of the tests in the, you know, in the fitness testing. But, um, so then when I did my first Vipassana course, 10 day meditation retreat, you're meditating 10 hours a day for 10 days straight. Oh, wow. That's intense. And I did, and I, I did my first one. This was right after that two month period. So sorry, is that like a... Buddhist thing or something? I, I haven't heard of that method. Yeah, it's a Buddhist, uh, a Buddhist meditation technique. It's a specific type of meditation. Um, you know, there's different kinds. I guess there's Zen meditation, and then yeah, I don't know them all. But yeah, Wim there's Hof. Zen. Yeah, and you know, Hindu has a bunch of different meditation styles of meditation, and then this, this is. A specific style of Buddhist meditation. Yeah, I, I only guessed that when you said ten hours, and I was like, "Who meditates for ten hours? That's intense. That's a long time." But then I thought, like yeah. Buddhists meditate for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, this was yeah after I this my first Vipassana course was right after the two month period where I, where I was having the crying breakdowns. <laughs> um, so it was like pretty much right when I decided to commit myself to this whole healing process, I did my first Vipassana course. And the difference was before the course, I could not touch my feet without bending my knees. And I had a vigorous practice of, stretching and um you know 
doing whatever, maybe sort of like yoga or practices to get in my body, hiking, stretching, stuff like that. When I went into this Vipassana course and I was, you know, that was like my routine that was making me healthy again. So I was slightly attached to it. But for the Vipassana course, I decided to give it all up and just become a noodle <laughs> and uh, not do any stretching or exercise or, you know, I didn't walk much like there's little walking paths I think I rarely did that I was <laughs> uh, turning myself into a noodle kind of but um after the retreat was over after just from meditating 10 hours a day for 10 days straight I could put my hands flat on the ground no problem without bending my knees <laughs> That's yeah, it was amazing it was amazing. I was like, holy shit, what did I just do? <laughs> so yeah. was that a gradual thing or that was after one of the one of the experiences you said? Yeah, no, this was just from before a 10-day Vipassana course and after a 10-day Vipassana course. That's crazy. Just that was the, the difference. I didn't do it at all. I didn't do any stretching or movement hardly at all the whole 10 days wow. just meditating all day long and slept all night long what uh, position were you in when you meditate like are you in the kind of traditional sitting up legs crossed deal or no i actually when i'm doing long meditation sits i prefer to use a meditation stool oh, okay and um that is partially because I have some knee issues. I can't really leave my knees bent in certain ways or I can't sit on them for long periods of time. It messes with them. And also it allows me to stay symmetrical, which for me in my work, in my practice, uh, what I've found uh, throughout all the <laughs> different practices and ways that I've worked with myself and energy and medicines and symmetry is so important for me uh, in doing this energetic non-dual work, this energetic work. Um, it's like unkinking the hoses. It's like straightening the hose out so that the water can flow through it as easily as possible. Yeah, that's such a good metaphor, analogy, I'm not really sure, for like the body is like just a bunch of hoses, hey, with like flow. There's a flow yeah. through the entire body, and there's lots and lots of areas that get kinked. Yeah, yeah. And um, the flow, the flow, you know, it's the way you feel. It's That's the way that energy is flowing through you, you know, and make little small decisions which influence the way that it flows through you could be unconscious beliefs and stuff like that and, or just deciding to hold tension in certain places you yeah, know for sure. and you don't know why you're holding tension usually it's something that happens that you have a story around and you know like someone did this to me and now I feel this way it's like my experience with the choking it was literally just I, I, I held that tension you know, I did that because I didn't know how at the time to allow myself to let it go. I didn't know how to ex to allow myself to express what needed to be expressed. I was probably 
under pressure to look a certain way in a social context and I wasn't allowed to go into that that trauma of being confronted with your own death <laughs> you yeah. know and I mean we're guys so we don't really have the opportunity to talk about this kind of stuff right like you know if I as a kid I never talked about my feelings with friends or anything now I always do <laughs> like it's almost right, a daily right. thing talking to especially <clears throat> mostly because I've I've gotten kind of into the psychedelic community where like it's open like people talk about it because we're comfortable with it you know but yeah like outside of that community it's it's still pretty hush hush it almost seems mm, yeah totally I, I don't mean, hear anyway yeah I mean not as much where I live I'm in a really um progressive area okay. <laughs> like uh lots of hippies and stuff here nice. uh, but where I grew up I grew up in Minnesota in the Midwest of the United States and uh, yeah man I never my like my dad never gave me space to sit and talk about my feelings with him you know he was like pull your bootstraps up and we got shit to get done type of stuff you know yeah. <laughs> we gotta keep moving <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of how just, yeah, guys are. Just, yeah, I get over it. It happens. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it, it definitely affects you later in life. Like, there's, my, my, my stuff is more physical, but I've, I had a lot of jaw injuries playing hockey that, mm -hmm. like, looking back, I should have sort of paid more attention to because, like, I'd, get hit in the jaw and it would hurt for a few days. Like I wouldn't have a full range of motion. And then it would just like, I would either get used to it or the pain would go away and I'd kind of stop trying to open my mouth all the way or whatever. I don't know. And so I just got used to like my jaw, not having the full range of motion and stuff. And now that I'm working on sort of opening that, I, it takes me flashbacks to like my jaw injuries and it's crazy how much, you sort of push aside just, you know, to get on with your daily life. And the emotional side would be just the same, you know, like somebody says something that really affects you and you still have to go to school the next day or you still have to, you know, <laughs> be in the change room with people or whatever. Like there's, there's lots of stuff that you just have to like get over without actually healing it. And mm -hmm. then it just, you know, when you get older, shit, it, piles up and eventually I feel like that that kind of stuff kind of comes out in in cancer and stuff sort of like how you're talking with um feeling like a tumor I feel yeah. like like those past events sort of restrict the flow within you and then it develops into sort of like a tumor or a cancer or something uh yeah yeah because it doesn't yeah. always have to be like a carcinogenic food that you eat or like something that you inhale or whatever like it, it it makes total sense that it could be um like in your mind and it just develops in your body sort of thing for me anyway that makes sense to me and that's that's why i kind of believe in psychedelics helping with cancer as well and i talked to katherine kelly and she told her story about ayahuasca helping with her stage four cancer and and it just makes so much sense that like it's connected with your mind and everything and 
And I don't know. I got a lot of hope for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think a lot of illnesses are energetic or, you know, psychological, emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So or it's a mixture way... between all of them. Like, it, it doesn't have to just be one or the other, I don't think. Right, right. Because they contribute to each other. Right. It's all a system, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all connected. <laughs> yeah. So are you a cannabis user as well? Yeah, I am. Yeah? Have you been for a long yeah. time? Kind of a lifer? Yeah, uh, since I was 16. Or okay. So, and, you know, I've... I've taken bits of time off over the years, but um, uh, and that includes uh, I took some time off for herbal school when I was going through that, and I took some time off when I uh, whenever I go to do dieta, like deeper plant work in the jungle in Peru. Okay, and um, what was the reason you take the time off for that? Um. Because that is a plant that strongly affects my energy. Um, the the plants, the way that I work with plants is on an energetic level. So that level of direct experience of feelings and emotions and sensations that flow through your being, or you know, you may hold on in certain places and. Um, uh, but the, uh, what was I saying? Something about the plants. So does it plants. like lower your vibration? Is that what you mean? Or it sort of like lowers your energies or? When I work with plants, I want to be as clear as possible so that okay. I can experience, so that I can experience each plant that I choose to work with as clearly and strongly as as possible so that I can get the most out of that that learning opportunity or that healing opportunity that I have by working with that plant and um, on an energetic level um, the more pure you are and this is you know this is psychologically emotionally and also physically because physical is is if you know, a manifestation of energy, what I consider energy, or that's the way I see it, is that um, the plants, uh, what was I saying? I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, about me being clear. Yeah, so the plant, so, so, so that I can experience the plant that I'm, you know, then basically saturating my system with this one plant. And if there's not all these other things going around on in my system, it's very easy to experience that plant and know that that's the plant because there's not a lot, a lot of other stuff in my system. So like when I did a, like the dieta that I do for ayahuasca is like, you know, no alcohol, no sugar, no caffeine, no sex, no spicy food. No, you know, there's all these things that you, you, you can't, do because there's they affect your system so strongly and cannabis is one that it's a wonderful plant but it does affect my system very strongly so like 
anytime I want to do deeper plant work, I will uh, abstain for like a couple weeks at a time, at least, you know, or that's what I try to do. <laughs> um, this last time I abstained for like two months or two and a half months. Okay. Um, yeah. So what do you use cannabis for? Like, is it mostly recreational in that sense? Like just to chill out or like, cause I'm kind of, I'm a little dependent on it just cause I wake up anxious. And so I take a hoot and, you know, um, but I, I really want to get away from that. So I'm just curious, like how you sort of took that long break, those long breaks. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I was using it for a long time as a way, as a mild, like psychedelic medicine, the same way I would use my psychedelics. Um, I would use it to basically breathe deeper into myself and into my feelings and process whatever, whatever came out of that, you know, and that's the way that I, that I did use it for some years and but uh, I, I really enjoy using it recreationally also. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like one, th one way that I saw it, me and my friend talked about it, uh, when, we, when I was really going through the, like, grungy part of my process when I couldn't see the end and I was just like, what's happening? I have to keep going. And we're like, you know, the cannabis keeps the whole process kind of lubricated. It keeps my system from clamping down on the old patterns uh, in between psychedelic uh, sessions like ceremonies or whatever you know um, if you're using it in you know inappropriate uh, like like how often you're using it if you're not using it too much you know um, but yeah so I was using it to actually continue let my process stay moving <laughs> right. to, to, keep, to keep myself constantly feeling deeper into the stuff that needed to be felt into, you know, and turn that into a moment-to-moment -moment practice um, instead of isolating it to, like, a healing retreat or something, you know. Yeah, and, and then so, having like, a long break in between and then a... Then yeah, and then, and then being like, did I actually make progress i don't know because you know i haven't been doing the work since the last retreat yeah <laughs> right but uh this i kind of you know i was always kind of a i enjoyed getting high <laughs> you know i liked smoking pot as a teenager and a young adult and but this uh, was a perfect um way to like keep like I kind of taught myself how to integrate this into like an actual process for, you know, um, processing the the sticky stuff that that needed to be processed and and grounding and centering into myself and you know it was, I used I turned it into another tool for my process. Yeah. And that's uh, cool. now that my process is to the point that it's at um, and you know the cannabis feels mellow, mild now it, it's pretty much recreational at this point but uh, it was like a handful of years where a hit of cannabis could have sent me onto a whole acid trip you know 
yeah, because you had taken I, long breaks or no because i was going through that much stuff like really? like my my whole system was just backlogged with energy that needed to be released and processed and felt and so any medicine that my body any medicine i was willing to feed myself my system would you know take that <laughs> as an opportunity to go into like a energetic release state or whatever you know? yeah like a, a healing kind of environment yeah 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 there was about five years of this where like to the point where i even would be smoking a joint with friends at a small gathering and i suddenly would be in the corner doing fractal yoga clicking <laughs> making noises and stuff like whatever going through my whole process you know and like luckily i have one friend that she's been a witness of my process since almost the beginning and um she always is the person that is telling people yeah he's just going through this thing just let him do his thing he's okay you know <laughs> yeah so it's good to, lucky to have that friend yeah you know? definitely yeah and she was totally supportive you know the one person that was like a witness to it and like a cheerleader to it you know <laughs> which is so helpful yeah 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 you definitely need friends like that at least one yeah. at least one is so helpful even if you have to hire someone to do that for you that's probably worth it oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely yeah if you have to hire like a coach or a guide or something you know yeah i hope it kind of that sort of thing come becomes a little more prevalent you know even just people being more willing to be open with their friends and, you know, be that, you know, person that pumps your friend up when they need it or um, just allows them to be them. Just allow your friends to be who they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Relax your perception of them. Mm -hmm. Let them be. Let them be who they are. Yeah. No judgment. <laughs> just, you know, hang out, be cool with each other. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of, are, are you kind of done with the cannabis? Do you have anything you want to say about that? Um, um, yeah, I don't really have anything more to say about that right now. So um, I kind of want to hear a few uh, five meal stories. Okay. Like I like I said, I've only had the NN, so I I I'm, I'm interested in hearing what the the five meal is like. I really want to order some. You can buy it in Canada, just like you can just order it from a website. So I'm yeah, totally. Yeah, I guess it's legal up there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not not for human consumption, but what right, I do yeah. inside my own home is my own business. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one is, um, yeah, that one is, that's a whole other level of medicine, honestly, compared to anything else. Um, it's just so, so powerful. And so, and it's not just the power, it's the difference in the subjective experience. Um, for me, there's like, DMT is known to be the hypervisual, strong psychedelic. Yeah, and so the 5-MeO is 
a lot stronger and a lot less visual. So less it's visual. more, it's a lot less visual. Yeah, it's more of a feeling of expansion, I guess, or opening. It's like an it's like an opening feeling, like an a feeling of your entire being opening up <laughs> in an uncomfortable way, or kind of depending depends, on the trip. It depends on what you are holding on to and what you have to process and let go of. And this is the process that I'm completely fascinated with is the fact that the same person can take this medicine a hundred times and have a completely different experience every time. But you find common, you find like a common denominator, you find like a center in the experience. And then the experience often becomes less tumultuous and more centered and grounded as you find the center of the experience over over a number of experiences, okay. you know. And that's why, and because this is such a strong medicine in your mind, it basically turns the mental functions off, the structures that your mind has created, it turns them off and allows your system of feeling and perceiving to just unravel and and uh or you know or be you really want a guide for this to work with this medicine because you're not you're not mentally um you know once you are mentally there once you've worked with it enough to find that center that grounded space right. but but at first there's nobody there, you go offline. You know, the you that you think you are goes offline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you don't want to introduce yourself to it alone. <laughs> so you know? when you say that, do you mean like you simply just need somebody there, like a sitter, or would you say like an actual guide is preferred? It's preferred to have an actual guide if it's your first time okay you know i mean that's yeah but like at the very least what you want at the very least is somebody who has the capacity to hold space for a lot of energy and will not react to your dramatic emotional releases you know what i mean if yeah. someone that someone that you could just get as expressive and shouting and crying and just throw a, a throw a fit and they could just sit there and watch you and not flink an eye flick an eye about an eye you know right someone someone that's that comfortable with being around big experiences is the least that you want so like they somebody be... that allows the experience to happen without like kind of freaking out when something does go a little awry like you start panicking a little bit or something they just sort of exactly like, you're okay exactly maybe or like yeah yeah and and part of that is that you don't want someone that's going to feed into your projections and fears like if you take the medicine and suddenly you think you're dying and the other person is sober and they're like oh my god you're dying like what are you doing what's yeah. you know like <laughs> if, they, if they react <laughs> then that can drive the whole situation into a, a dark uh, place. Yeah, because you know? like when you panic, you're sort of like shooting that energy out. 
And when they start panicking, they'll start shooting that energy out. And then it's just sort of a, you're feeling that panic as well. And it shit just adds to it. I can totally see what that'd be like. Just like tripping on any psychedelic, really. Like if, if you're freaking out on acid and somebody's like, oh my God, are you dying? It's like, oh my God, am I dying? <laughs> like, it'll, <laughs> right. it like, yeah, you can't have somebody that sort of puts those ideas into your head as well. Or like, right, like any negative energies, like you just need a good somebody you're comfortable with and like like that right like that's maybe has yeah. experience with it is always a plus definitely right but for for nn anyway i like i said i haven't tried five meal but um wow. like for my first time I, I had my girlfriend there just she like you said was holding space and kind of was there to take the bong from me because it was changa my first time and mm. you know she was the first time went great. I It sort of took me by surprise. I don't know why I didn't expect it to happen so fast or whatever. I took, like, the rip, and instantly the room sort of went orange because our blinds were orange. And it sort of, like, zoomed out really far, and just, like, my vision split. Like, I was looking down a crystal, you know, like a bunch of lines going straight out. And, uh, and like, that trip was good. I sort of laid back, and I was like, it's okay, you can go. Like, I'm good being alone. And so she went, and then I wanted to have another trip because i didn't quite feel like i like broke through or anything on that one so i wanted a little more so i went back to another one and who that one was scary <laughs> it was like it was really good to have her there and like she didn't like she just sort of held me you know she was that like that rock that comfortable place i don't know why i said rock for a comfortable place but you know what i mean like sturdy <laughs> yeah and yeah. uh yeah it just felt like it was kind of ripping my body apart and sort of i don't know getting me ready to actually be able to break through or something i don't know it's hard to explain but it was just really nice to have like she wasn't a guide by any means she she had done dmt once before but she was just there you know to hold me to sort of rub my back and comfort me that's all i needed you know somebody there if i didn't have her there holy i would have freaked out yeah yeah yeah, that stuff can be a little a little scary. Even if you've done a lot of research into it, it's kind of nothing you can really expect, in my experience. Even now, like, um, each trip is so new that it's, it's kind of like the first time, in a way. Yeah, yeah. But um, where were we? Sorry, I kind of cut you off there. Yeah, I don't remember. We were talking about your uh, five meal experience, I believe, and having a guide. Uh huh. And I just sort of yeah, cut you off. Yeah, I was talking about um, how it's really. I would say it's really important to uh, do it with a an actual facilitator for the yeah. first time. But um, like I said, uh, yeah, that that person that you're comfortable with that can hold space for that big energy is probably, probably sufficient for a lot of people that, you know, or at least, uh, once you've been introduced by a professional or whatever, yeah. or someone that's experienced not professional necessarily. <laughs> but, um, and now like, I think I, I did it with, uh, someone that, you know, this is what they do for a living type of thing. Okay. For my for my first eight, nine 
times, my first nine times. Oh, wow. With the five and I did it with someone that was like a, like that's what they do. <laughs> Would you call them like a shaman or something like that? No, like... no uh, one of the people, the, the, there was two different people that I was visiting. One of them was more of a, not shamanic, more maybe like new age ceremony. Okay. Maybe. And the other one was actually a, non-dual energetic practitioner uh, and that's who I was introduced to the medicine by and uh, that's kind of the method that I go about in working with uh, these medicines on my own okay. it's the same the same type of like the same methodology I guess you could say as uh, when I was introduced to this medicine through called yeah, non-dual energetic therapy i guess that's what it's called non-dual so what, what exactly does that mean like uh a non-dual do you mean that word particularly or the whole phrase well i might be hearing it wrong but like n-o-n-d-u-e-l non-dual yeah yeah uh yeah so it's uh you know, the paradigm that um, all of reality is one living organism. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's basically what the non-dual uh, implies. So like collective is... consciousness, sort of? or Sort of, you could say that. You could call it that, yeah. But, but like, it's the idea that the collective consciousness is actually um, like the mind of reality, you know. Okay. Rea reality is like this living being, and what we consider collective consciousness is like the mind of reality collecting experiences of all the different fractal variations of itself, which are the humans and the animals and, yeah, you know, the beings. Yeah, collecting, and it's collecting those experiences it's perceiving all those experiences at the same time simultaneously uh, and this is you know basically like a fundamental experience that is had throughout uh, deep psychedelic experiences is this experience of oh here I am and I am not the human that I limited my identity to this whole time I am all of this, <laughs> okay. you know, like a breakthrough, like a non-dual awakening type of breakthrough, you know. So uh, would that seems to be a, like a fundamental aspect of these experiences, kind of like an ego death sort of situation. Is that what you? Yeah, mean? exactly. Where it's exactly. sort of like I am not necessarily just me, right? Like there's sort of a a greater whatever that I am a part of. Right. That's cool. Exactly. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Uh, so they basically non-dual energetic therapy, uh, you, you working through the energies as a style of, you know, therapeutic style or practice, working through these energies to center yourself in whatever the fundamental 
state of, of consciousness of being a human is to center yourself in that fundamental state of, of being, I guess that's one way to say it or, so, you know, I assume there's more than just, um, like the five meal, like, is there other things that you do? Like, is there meditation involved in that as well? Or, um, meditation isn't so much a part of it. It has been in the past. Meditation has been a big part of my process. It's been a part of disciplining my mind to stay focused and right. to not get and to not get lost in my projections. But ultimately, as far as actually practicing non-dual, what I can, what you know, this non-dual energetic therapy is, uh, you know, uh. The entheogens, the psychedelics are a big part of it. Um, symmetry is a big part of it. And symmetry during psychedelic sessions and also out of psychedelic sessions when I'm experiencing intense feelings even. Like the other day, I had something really difficult to say to somebody that is a friend of mine. Like he was something we were doing. We were working together and something he was doing wasn't working for me and it was kind of one of them things that was difficult for me to say uh and that's the place where i've gotten caught up in myself a lot is speaking my mind and letting my expression flow naturally and so like i was having this experience of having this old pattern come up where i was like afraid to say the thing that i wanted to say are you passive aggressive when you say stuff or were you then no, not at that point, but I have been in the past. Yeah, I've noticed you know. myself that I'm kind of like that. I'd rather be, I don't know, hint at something than actually say it, and I'm really trying to get away from that. But sorry, right, continue. Right. I just wanted to see if if you were passive-aggressive as well. Yeah, no, not at this point. Okay. This is going to basically give you an idea of where I go from being passive-aggressive to like being more centered and present and I don't want to say confrontational with negative connotations, but like, you know, saying things that need to be said without hesitation, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was, I just, I made myself go into a symmetrical position and I put my hands on my thighs and I just relaxed my whole body and I breathed deeply into whatever tension I was feeling and I just allowed myself to start speaking my mind to this guy, you know, and expressing my energy out loud or, and, you know, like out into the world of duality, like expressing the way that I was, the energy that I was feeling that needed, you know, needed to move. Um, so I just, instead of focusing on the nervousness and the fear and the reasons that I shouldn't say the thing that I feel like saying, I just found my center and I relaxed into myself and I just let my body speak what it needed to speak. You know, I kind of like let it do it on its own sort of thing. And did you react well to it? (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, he, I mean... (laughs) He was totally willing to, like, hear 
like he, I guess you could say he reacted, reacted well. He, he was like, oh, uh, yeah, well, let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> uh, like he didn't get defensive yeah. or anything? No, he didn't. Uh, yeah, no, he was totally willing to talk about it with me and, um, you know, go there and, like, process whatever needed to be processed that was in there, you know? He didn't didn't blame or defend so yeah it was just and he had his own way of expressing <laughs> whatever he needed to express which is not how i do it anymore <laughs> but yeah. but you know it went well uh for something that i was afraid to do it was like oh that was it <laughs> So, and you sort of learn this from this non-dual energy, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, this is kind of, this. what I was saying is this is another part of my practice. Okay. Uh, symmetry. Symmetry, in, right. In allowing any energy to flow through my, me in an authentic, natural way. And right. um, practicing that using symmetry, and it gets easier and... And then eventually I don't have to go into symmetry to allow it to flow, you know? Cool. But um, where there's places that I feel stuck or that are my, like, growth edge, it often helps to get myself into symmetry and just relax my mind and just let myself speak from, like, that centered, grounded space. Yeah, instead of letting your, like, emotions sort of take over and make you say something you don't want to say or don't mean to say or whatever. Yeah. And, or even getting caught up in ideas of what's happening, uh, projections, you know, like don't get lost in the mind, you know, like, (laughs) uh, or at least this is my, you know, this is my process. It's like, don't get lost in the mind. It's okay for the mind to be active. That's what it does. It's, it's constantly giving me material to either experience or ignore <laughs> and uh, you know uh, discovering who you are within that is is invaluable it's where it's what my process has come to is who am I uh, underneath all the mental babble <laughs> and ideas and ways that I perceive myself and the world you know <laughs> like what's actually happening here. Yeah. Um, And so also that comes to my next thing I was going to say as far as part of my practice, Um, part of my process being, you know, the medicines and then the symmetry and what I just described. uh, Another aspect of that would be, uh, oh, where was it? What was I going to say? Sometimes I lose my train of thought. Oh, me too. No worries. Okay, that's a good place to end part one. Make sure to check out the second half while the conversation with Nick Clemmer is still fresh in your mind. If you're enjoying the content, subscribe to Two Temples and listen to the previous conversations with all the awesome guests. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share on the podcast, email me at twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. The best way to support Two Temples is by sharing the podcast with your friends and on social media. Thanks to Nick for sharing, and thank you for listening. Ciao for now.